Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Um, I'll give you a very short story. So there was a church that I attended one time when um, I was a little young. I'm still young, that's why I said. And the minister that day that was preaching, co he didn't really agree with the Bible, you understand? And it was, and for some reason, I was so furious. I was so upset. And I was very small. If I tell you my age, you'll be surprised. I was so, I was so, I said, God, why? Complaining, complaining. I was not even hearing again. I was just complaining. Then I turned to my side and I saw my mother writing. <laughs> She was really taking notes. I was like, she is not that. My mother has changed hands. Do you understand? And I was really curious. So I stopped the complaint in my mind. And I started complaining. I said, sorry, but what exactly are you writing? And she said something that changed my mind forever. She says, the Holy Spirit speaks when you listen. Doesn't matter who is speaking. The Holy Spirit speaks when you listen. And if you go anywhere that the word of God is spoken and you listen, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Doesn't matter who is speaking, doesn't matter what is said. And I've come to realize that that is so true because God honors the hunger of the people above the vessel. The vessel is used to communicate his word to meet the needs of the people. But if the vessel is not adequate, God is not going to leave you stranded. So God will always find a way to communicate to the hunger that you've brought to his presence if you will listen. And that changed my mind forever. So there's no conference, program, message, or anything that I'm listening to that, I'm not listening because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. We are the vessels. And the truth is that whatever the Holy Spirit communicates to our spirit, we are going to still communicate it with words in human understanding. And because human understanding is frail and prone to failure, we may often miss the mark, but that doesn't make the truth in the spirit wrong. And so God will always find a way to communicate that truth to you who is hungry for it. So I'm saying this to encourage you that throughout this conference, trust God to speak to you. Trust God to deliver his word to you. Trust God to meet you where you are. And you know the beautiful part of the word of God? Because God doesn't exist in time. God knows what you need for tomorrow. So he may speak something to you today and you'll be like, oh, maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's for my neighbor's, neighbor's friend. That one is always coming in the night. They need it. But you don't know what's down the road. You don't know when that word will encourage you just when you need it. Praise God. So this is my short encouragement to you. If you come for God, God will be here for you. God ordained this meeting for you. So that means he came prepared. 
today now is now you now. Praise God. And I tell to your neighbor and say, you will not be left behind. And if you are, I will remind you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just celebrate God one more time. Sorry, let me check the time first. Uh, okay. Let me know over freestyle because it's mad. Okay, so we're going to read Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And then we're going to read Matthew 28, 16 to 20. So there are two similar scriptures and you will see why. And then we're just going to talk briefly. Today, I'm going to be laying a foundation. I'm going to be doing a background. I'm just going to be laying down some truths in which we will all build upon throughout the next few days, okay? Just truths that you know, just foundation. The reason why I've chosen to go this route is because I am aware that the perspective through which you see things determines what you see and how you see it, okay? So, is there anybody here with sunshade? I know you came in the afternoon, that's why. Anybody with sunshade? Are you? Wait. No, 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 just wait now. Just humor me, just wait, just wait. How do I look? I'm not that clear. But the color of your shades, does it reflect on the outfit that I'm wearing on my face? Okay, you can remove it now. What's the difference? <laughs> Praise God. So the difference is the lens through which you are seeing, right? One of the lenses that you used to see me very quickly was colored. And it affected everything that you saw. Everything that you have seen has the mark of that color on it. So when Pastor Mo was speaking recently and he was saying that some of us are talking about dominion, we want to take over, I want to do this. It's not entirely wrong. But if you do not see it through the lens of the truth of the scripture, then it will be colored. And your view will not resemble God's view. And what happens when you do and spend your entire energy doing something that is not God's view? Imagine that he said that you should color a paper red. Yes? Then you wore sunshades that are blue. You picked up a white crayon. Yes? Yes? Are you following? Then he said the crayon will be blue. Right? Then you know you are just like, I'm creative. You know, they, tell, they say you should do red, but the creative in you, do you understand, says that you will abstractly do blue, but when you interpret it, <laughs> it will be red. <laughs> All the while, you are, you are not even aware that you are using white to paint white. That's what happens when we use the wrong lens to interpret God's word to the world. We are doing everything we think is right, but is not 
because it doesn't fall in the lens through which God has called you to see. So when someone is shouting, take over, dominate, this, 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 and it is not through the lens of the truth of the word of God, it is born out of selfish interest, and your joy is born out of pride, and is born somewhere in the middle is an, I will show them spirit that my God is not asleep. And this, my God is not asleep, is somewhere behind the fact that I want that fame and acclamation that comes with taking over. I want to be the one that is on top for my glory. It's right there. It's, it's just changing the lens. So in your words, you are saying you want to take over the mountains for the sake of God. But in your heart, it is that I want to ascend to the throne of God and stay higher. And who remembers who made that statement in scripture? That person was brought low to the lowest part of the earth because his desire was to ascend God's throne. And if we don't always see the truth of God's word, especially when it comes to our life, we are going to go there. There were, there were a few people that said, we will come together and build a tower so that we will reach God. If you look at that scripture properly, it was not a bad thing that they wanted to commune with God. It is not a bad thing that they wanted to always be in a place where they and God were close. But the intent had shifted from God to them. And if we don't look at things through the truth of God's scripture, we are all towing the same line of deceit. It will shift from God to you. And when it's about you, it's no longer about God. You become God. And then if you are, you cannot ask God to see. God, let's start this way. God is true. Do you believe that? And God is truth. Do you believe that? And the very nature of truth is his absoluteness. That means truth cannot change because of your opinion or your thoughts or your feelings. If you feel that if you jump up, you will not come down. Hmm? They'll be like, my mates, the Avengers, they are doing it. <laughs> Do you understand? Small team, Black Panther, you know? I will just climb this place, I will jump down, and I believe in my heart. What's going to happen to you? <laughs> I, I, I pray that Pasmo has like emergency funds to help out. Or his brother is a doctor, so it's very possible that your life might be saved, might be in the operative world. But the reason I'm saying this is that when God uses a scale to measure, he measures it based on his justice and his truth. And if you decide that the lens through which you are acting for God is based on yours, does not stop God from measuring you based on his justice and his truth. So the earlier we retrace ourselves, the earlier you just sit down in your room and tell yourself, see, oh, let's just tell ourselves the truth. I've not been doing this thing for God. Okay. You know, you will leave where you are and come to the mercy of God and allow God to 
walk you through and heal you and change you and redeem you. And then you go to the line of his truth. Because God is not going to judge your activities. He's going to judge what you have done in line with his will and his truth. And that is based on his justice and his truth. If God was shifting measures, then none of us will. You see, because as we're all sitting down smiling at each other, you don't know what your neighbor is praying for you. You understand? And if they can convince God more than you, you can convince God, then you don't be, you get. So God has to be just and he has to be true. And, and his justice and truth are based on his mercy. Praise God. So I'm going to read these scriptures. All this intro. Hmm. Praise God. Okay, let's read Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical body, spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle and over the entire earth and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And this is the part I want to emphasize. And God blessed them, granted them certain authority and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill or replenish the earth and subjugate it, putting it under your power and rule over, dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted that it was really him. Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. So we see two stories here, but we see one underlying theme. God speaking to man, giving man authority, and giving man an assignment. And in, from the beginning of scripture, we see the scripture tell us the story of a person, and that is God, right? And God is doing something. He's doing a work. And God is assigning part of this work to someone which is man, right? And so throughout scripture, we understand that God is on a mission and God invites us to be part of the mission. But sin came into the world, right? And sin, not by action, but by nature, is like a colored shade that has come, that came into the world to give a tint to everything that God had placed on the earth. And our view of those things began to change. And as we lived in that view for a period of time, we adapted that as truth because of experience. Let me explain. Um, experience is not always the truth, even though it's true. 
right? And so some of us have believed our experience to be truth because it actually happened. Have you ever been in an argument? Let's say you went to the stadium the, and the, they were playing the match and you saw that the referee cheated. You saw it with your two eyes. Yes? You saw it. Then there's an argument, and someone like, lie, lie, the guy cheated. I saw it with my eyes. But maybe what you don't know is that they started using VAR. I mean, what they call that thing? Yes? And maybe the rules changed, and you were not privy to information because, well, it's not really your business. Do you understand? So to you, the truth is that the referee cheated on behalf of a team. But, so that's true. But the truth is, the referee was working according to new sets of instructions that he was giving for the game that you probably were not aware. So if you take that experience to heart as the truth that should govern your life, it may be true for you, but it's not always the truth. Is, is, is that point clear? So, because we have lived in life in, with the nature of sin and the effects of sin on creation, we have carried the lens through which we see in a sinful world and have believed that that is the truth concerning our lives. So for instance, the reason we walk, the reason we live, the reason we have friendships and relationships, the reason why we get engaged and get married, the reason why we pick a hobby, the reason why we even have a calling or career or something from God, we believe that it's about what we can do for God. But from Genesis 1, we see that the story has always been about God. We don't have a church. God has a mission and builds a church to fulfill that mission. We are called as partners to come on board God's mission with his church to accomplish it. So if for any time you don't have a ministry, God has a mission has chosen an expression and has, bring, has brought you on board to minister through his vehicle to his people on his behalf. It's not about you. And it has never been from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. What does Genesis 1, 1 say? I uh know. -uh, In the beginning, what? Forget the created. In the beginning, what? It has always been about God. We are not here of our own will. There was no point that you made a decision that, oh God, I really think that this thing I want to accomplish, man, would be the best idea. And you're just like, I think you should fashion me first see your prototype, pilot your startup, then see if you can replicate it. Where, what, is there, in, in, in this thing we're reading, in Genesis 1, it says, God said, let us, that us there, 
Is, is he? Is you inside? Is you is there? You is not inside. You understand? That's why Paul was speaking and he said, Can a clay say to the potter, Why have you fashioned me? Is, is it not absurd? It's, let me give an example. It may not be a very good example, but it may fit. When you want to organize a party, when you want to do, when you want to organize anything, you envision the right vendors and the right things that make the party into what you have in mind. So you put those things together to accomplish your goal, right, of organizing a party. And that's exactly what God did. God had a mission, right? And he put together what it would take to carry out that mission. And in that conversation, he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And God created male and female and them, and he gave them some authority, right? According to what we've read. And he says, let them have dominion over X, Y, Z. That means God had a plan. And then God made man, and God commissioned man to execute the plan. So man was part of the execution plan of God. That means everything that we do in life has to fall into the execution of the mission of God. Because that is why we were made. If anything that you do is outside fulfilling the mission of God, then you are malfunctioning. Do you understand? So the reason I'm carefully laying this foundation is because many people will build upon the foundation. And I remember I said in the beginning that the lens through which you see things determine what you see, how you see. And once you see, whatever decision, action, behavioral changes that it makes is based on what you see. Just the same way some of you are beefing some people on behalf of other people because of what they told you. You don't really know the situation, if they ask you, who will you ask, right? But because of what you see, you've seen, it influences your actions and your behavior towards it. It influences your commitment. It influences the actions that you give. It influences the time you give, the attention you give. So if, some, if a minister comes here and tells you how God intends for you to take over maybe the media space or this, it ought to be through this lens. Because if you are taking over the media space, why? If all of us know that one day we are going to die and we are going to be with the world, why do you want to take over the world that you are going to leave behind? Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do these things. Please get me correctly. I'm just saying that the lens through which we see how to do these things is important as long as the bottom line is the mission of God. Praise God. So what exactly is this mission? Right? By now, people are supposed to be like, answer me, answer me. (laughs) 
I believe, according to scripture, that the ultimate mission of God, as seen in Genesis 1, is to create a universe, an earth that is filled with the glory of God, is filled with the splendor of God, is filled with the nature of God. It is an extension of God himself all over the earth. And when God was giving man the mission, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, God made man in his image and asked him to fill the earth. And before God gave that commission to man to fill the earth, he had given man an example. So before then, God created the trees and they produced after, yes? And then the fish of the sea and they produced, and the birds of the air and they produced. So when God made man, man is supposed to produce, and after his kind is what? The image and likeness of God. So the original plan of God, the mission of God, was to create an earth, a world, a universe that, was re that replicates the image and likeness of God all over through man, right? So man, when God, when God separated woman from man, you know, they were supposed to come together, form a unit, right? and replicates the glory of God, the image of God, until the entire earth is covered with the likeness of God and the glory of God. And if you see in the beginning, there was no separation between heaven and earth. God could come down, fellowship with man, man could go, fellowship with God. You know, this was, this is, not was, because it is still the mission of God. It is still the mind of God. That's why there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Because it is still the heart of God. It is still the desire of God. If it was not in the desire of God, there was, there's no need for God to say that there will be a new earth. Why? We tried this one, no, call it work. Right? But it is the original mission of God to have a universe where his glory and his image covered everywhere through the plan, the execution plan, man. Okay, but like you know now, hunger caused everything. Sack back, caused everything. They saw the fruit. You know, it's only hunger that can make you see something that you've seen before, and you're like, oh, so nice. I can't believe it was here all along. Let's have a taste, right? Praise God. So, yeah, no, no, but it's a joke. Before you say, ah, there's no way in scripture that says hunger. No, I was just joking, okay. But that's the original mission. I believe, according to scripture, that that's the original mission of God. That's the original heart of God. But because of sin, right, that mission was delayed. Yes, there was a bug in the system, right? And now the current mission to be accomplished so that we can accomplish the main mission is the ministry of reconciliation, right? God reconciling all men back to himself because man is the execution plan of God's original mission. The Bible says that it is not the desire of God that any man should perish, that all will come to repentance. So right now, um, in... Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, it says, 
all of this, Paul was speaking about all the things that God gives us and the gifts and everything, right? And he says, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we can be made right with God through Christ. When we gave our lives to Christ and we left the sin nature behind, we surrendered our will, our rights, our desires, us. I believe that when you lay down your life as a sacrifice, you know, they said, because they said living sacrifice, you imagine that you can get up from the altar and galavant, then come back. You are doing that on the provision of the mercy of God. There was a, there was a day that my friends on Thursday, my friends and I were discussing. I was just like, wow, some things that we do with the mercy of God, we just do anyhow. You know, in those days, you cannot do anyhow. You will see Imagine if the high priest was going to the Holy of Holies and was like, man, I'm not really feeling this thing today. But let me just go. They say, let me, they say we should be going once every year. Because if I don't go now, still next year. So let's just go. What's going to happen inside? <laughs> what is, is, I don't, is your own word. <laughs> It's onward, though. You have, you have gone. Do you understand? So in, in, it's, it's, it's the mercy of God. It's in his mercy. And, in, and his mercy is born out of his love, you know, that God will give us a mission. And, you know, we'll debate, you know, we're just we're looking for clarity. It's clear. It's clear. God has sent you DVD video. God has said, I am God. I am sending you this mission. You're like, ah, I don't really feel like it's the Lord. <laughs> we are Christ's ambassadors. So please understand that what God has called us to in the ministry of reconciliation is part one in a two-part series. And part one has to finish for part two to, to be full. Do you understand? And that's why when we cry out to God of all justice to show up, please understand that it's his patience in his justice that has waited for God not to show up. Because if, the Bible says, if God should count our sins against us, who will stand? It is God's patience that is allowing all men come to repentance. And God is partnering with us now that we've come into Christ, God is using us in his original design for us as co-laborers, as partners in his work to carry out the mission. That's why Genesis 1 is so similar to Matthew 28. When God made man, he says, go into the world, replenish the earth, have dominion, fulfill it. When sin came and we gave our lives to Christ, he gave us the same commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go therefore 
into the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. It's almost like saying, dominate, replenish, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. Fill the earth. It's the same commission. And if God is saying something in Genesis and saying the same thing in Matthew, that means he hasn't changed his mind yet. He hasn't moved on to other things. He's not saying that because plan A didn't seem to work out as plan, I have moved to plan B. No, for God that knows the end from the beginning, he does not have plan Bs. He has one plan. And the fact that you don't think that that is still God's plan does not change it because of his justice and his truth. I mentioned that our experiences can sometimes be true, but it's not the truth. And it does not change the truth from being the truth. So God's mission still remains whether or not we have decided to be co-laborers. Or even though we choose how our partnership with God should look like, doesn't change what God originally fashioned you for. And the beautiful part is that is what God will require of you. Not your version. The original. So um, when you hear throughout this week of how God intends for you to replicate his image and his bearing upon the earth, please understand that it is within this context. Do you understand? Sometimes it feels good. Doesn't it feel good to show this world that my God is powerful? It feels good. It appeals to something inside of us that is sinful. It's called pride. Pride does not place God above all else. It puts you at the center. Pride is not always haughtiness. There's a difference. Pride is not always arrogance. Pride is putting you in God's place. No matter what that looks like, even if you are branding it God, my God will fight for me, sure of you. <laughs> Do you understand? God, and so throughout this week, I will try to be building on the strategy of God on how we should, like the topic I was giving us, replenish your soul. And this is, this is where it comes from. We need to go back to the original place of God's heart concerning you. You are God's own. How many of you have a house help that will tell you what you eat in the morning? What she will do in the house? When she's not in the mood? At least house help is, is in democracy now. She? Freedom. She's free. In those days of slavery, imagine that you bought a slave to your money. Slave is just like, okay, you pay the price, right? However, these are the terms and conditions of my slavery. <laughs> Number one, you feed me three times a day. When I have challenges, you respond. When I call, you don't hesitate. Okay? If I cry, that's just wickedness. <laughs> After all, you said that 
I will not dash my foot against a stone, right? So anything you touch my leg, you have gone against the contract. That's not, I'm not having it. It's not giving, do you understand? You know, just say, so when you've done all of my side, then depending on how I feel, I will do some of the things that you've asked me to do. If I don't clean the house, they just manage it. At least I cleaned last week. It's not that dirty. I know Hamatan is coming, but you can manage dust now. It's just small dust. I'm working on myself. <laughs> yeah? I'm working, I'm still working on myself. You know, don't rush me. Don't rush me, please. Does that sound like some of the things we say to God? And then something happened like, what you said, oh my God. How can you do this to me? And I don't stand here speaking to you like someone who has not gone through pain or hardship. But it does not change who God is or why you are made or the mission of God or why you chose to sign up. Because being born again is, was a voluntary choice to sign up to go to the original plan of being co-workers with God on his mission. When you became a Christian, you do not choose what you do, when or how. It's like joining the army and on the battlefield, you're like, ah, they are shooting too much gun. No. <laughs> During the training, no, no. In the training, you lined us up. You put a, this thing, you say, let's be shooting one, one, bah. <laughs> no, no, no. In the, this, no. Take me to the back. Let the pastors, let them go in the front. They are trained. You see how this pastor is? Put him in the front. Pastor Mo, let him be in the front there. Leave me. Ah! No, it's not, that's not how you say. When your pastors come before you with a burden from above and they are sharing with you the heart of God and they are saying, let's rise, let's move, let's shine our light in the dark places. You're like, mm -mm. it's dark. It's dark. You know, soft life. Not born to suffer. Jesus has redeemed me from the cause of the law. Soft life gang. Why am I suffering when Jesus paid it all? <laughs> Jesus, the Bible speaking in Hebrew said that the men of faith, they gave up everything without ever seeing the promise because Christ was waiting for us to join in. What if they said it was too hard? What if the legacies of our faith said the apostles, after Jesus had disappeared, said, ah, Jesus has left too. Who am I to stay? Jesus says, remain. Wait here until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Do you know that when the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them power, it was after they waited on the obedience and instruction of Jesus. They waited in fear and in anxiety 
They were in the upper room because they were hiding from the authorities. But they stayed in obedience to the words of Jesus to wait there until the Holy Spirit comes and endures them with power. What if they left? If Jesus tarries, the people coming behind us are going to be on the backs of the legacies we leave behind. The faith that we have come to believe and enjoy are based on the labors of the people that have gone before us. Martin Luther read, he picked up the scriptures in Romans and read it and read this phrase that the just shall live by faith. And prior to that time, they were selling righteousness in the church. You actually pay money for your name to be written in the book of life. Yes. No, read it now. It's in history. Do you pay? You know, the church was conducting. No wonder Jesus was so angry and he wiped all of them in the temple because sometimes our head. So this was what they were peddling the gospel with. And one day Martin Luther reads it and he, he, he understands that. So I, being made just in Christ, can live by this faith, the faith in this gospel. And that broke through and he started this movement of telling everybody that the gospel is free for you to enjoy, for you to live, for you to become. You don't have to pay to earn your righteousness. On this is the liberty that many of us enjoy today in Christ. On the labors of our fathers, reading and studying the word, laboring to teach you the gospel for eight hours, nine hours. How many of you, when you were small, used to go for all these conferences that your parents force you for? You don't want to go, but they force you, you are going, and you, they, will, they will pack nice things to ginger you, but you have to go. It's not like it's optional, they are just being merciful. Do you understand? They will pack sweet, turn, what they, um, yes, it's not capsule, then it was, did he, sun top hey they'll pack sun top for us cheese balls all these things you will not go because after every few hours you know they will they will sustain you they'll revive you but it's those words that planted seeds in our hearts that are growing today that our faith is steady that even though things rise and fall and there's and there's good and there's bad we know that the testament of the character of God remains true because we sat down and we heard these things and people taught us and we and we went to camp and people labored and they taught us these things is on their sacrifice that we are who we are today and Jesus did not mean for it not to continue because if somebody gives birth to you, you have to birth, which is why how you were made to give birth after your kind. So ask yourself, what will I birth from what has been birthed into me in the gospel? What do you have enough to birth a Christ-likeness outside of you? How do you intend to replicate what God has given you? others because the Bible says how would they hear if somebody doesn't speak do you understand what I'm saying this evening number one 
is all about is all about is all about God. Number two, God is on a mission. And God is inviting us to be part of his mission. It's not, it's not, it sounds somehow when you say it's not about you, right? Because we have lived in a world that is used to abusing people. We have lived in a world that is used to taking advantage of people and, and, and disregarding people and seeing people as less than because they are not them. So if they have the money, they are paying your salary. If they have some kind of power over you, you become nothing to them. So we are used to that. So when you hear it's not about you, you, are, you feel rejected. You feel put down. You feel less than. You feel like you're being degraded. But please understand that when God speaks a truth, it doesn't matter what your experience is. It remains true. So we must come out of our experiences into the truth of God. And when we say it's not about you, what God means is that the focus is on God and on his mission. But you are valuable and you are worth it. You, you are worth it in the sight of God because God made you to be part of that mission. And God has insisted that he wants you to be part of that mission. If God did not insist on that, God could have wiped away the earth and there's nothing that you can do about it. If God is saying he's not doing with man again, you're not going to challenge God. Say, who has the mind of God that he can counsel him? If God says that he's not accomplishing his mission through man, there's nothing that you can do about it. But God insists on using you. You, this one. Because God can remove this one and bring another one. You understand? But he insists with your brokenness and your flaws. With your coconut head. All, okay, all of us, because even me, I know. Even me sometimes, just like, just have mercy. I know, I know, I know, I know. Just please, just please. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Praise God. First Peter 2, 21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He's your example. And you must follow his steps. This is the Bible. It's not a book that I'm quoting. It's there. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and alive for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm rounding up. We have the priceless privilege of walking alongside God to accomplish his mission. Please let's celebrate, let's celebrate them. Come on.
So two things that I will share before we I round up this evening. One thing. So in the beginning, I established the fact that God, God is all about God, right? God has a mission. God invites us to be part of his mission. And I established something carefully in the beginning, in Genesis 1, that the very reason we were created was to accomplish the mission of God. So, and I gave an example, like, if you are putting together a party, you will gather what you need for that party. So that means our value, our worth, our essence, our satisfaction, our freedom is in the will of God. Our freedom is in the will of God. Paul describes himself as a bond servant of God. And do you know what that means? So in, in those days, when, a, when you buy a slave and the slave has lived with you for a long time, during Jubilee, you are supposed to set the slave free. But there are some people who have been so good to their slaves. Their slaves have become like family members that they tell the owners, I don't want to be set free from you. Make me a bond servant. That means I will forever serve you. I will forever be in your house. I will forever be here. Yeah. Don't die, but <laughs> be there. That means they found life within that household. They found security there, freedom there. They found family. They found home. They found life there to the point that they don't want to be set free. That means the external appeal of freedom is not as good as the freedom they experience within. That means the appeal of the world to you that is freedom does not even come close to the freedom that you have in Christ. And this is not by experience. This is not by enjoyment. This is not by I enjoy more things in the world. No. Your very fabric of your being was formed are made to exist within the mission of God. That means you can never ever find satisfaction outside the will of God. You can never find, you will but have, how many of you have, have had children that you put Sprite in the freezer, they drank it, they not put water inside, they not put it back for you in the freezer. <laughs> Do you know, it's easy, it's touching. Because when you go to the freezer, your hopes and aspiration is that the level, content level of sugar plus, what's that thing? Yeah, carbon something. You know, there's your expect, you know, you came ready only to find out that it's not adding up. And that is what the world will always give you. But you know the worst part? The world has emptied the bottle and has put something 
entirely different inside. But because you've been drinking from that bottle for a long time, you do not know that there exists a far greater glory within Christ than outside of him. So if your battle is still, oh, should I lie? Or oh, should I not lie? Or, oh, oh my God, if I marry only one person, I'm missing out on the cheeks. You are, you are. Hurry up and come back. This is, I'm not appealing to you that, I'm not trying to sell a Jesus solo or what did they, Biggie. Do you understand? So you know there's Gala, there's Biggie, there's solo, there's one liter. I'm not trying to sell you the one liter. It is not even within comparison the joy that exists within Christ. You can find nothing, absolutely nothing outside of Christ. And the reason why you cannot find it is because you were not made to find it outside Christ. Can the clay say to the porter, what is this that you have made? Imagine that somebody takes your iPad and uses it as chopping board. the last thing I tell you this night you can never find what from anyone aside the one who made you he alone reserved that right to name you to call you to give you worth value and esteem you can never find it from a man or a woman you can never find it from the validation people give you or not give you. You are not a self-made man. You can never be. If you were, you could have made yourself. And, but well, apparently, you can't. Praise God. So the point that I've made today, if, if for everything, is we need to come back to the place where it is all about God. It's all about God. It is his mission. It is his church. It is his ministry. It is his vessel. It is his expression. It is his heart. It is his will. It is his mind. It is his thought. It is his burden. It is all about God. And God has made us in his grace and mercy to partake, to be co-laborers with him, to accomplish this mission. And I told you what the mission is. To create a universe that has the glory and the person of God replicated all over. That's the mission. But I told you that that mission is a two-part series, right? Because of sin. So part one is reconciliation. Reconciling all men back to God. So that the, the fullness of the mission of God, a world where the glory of God is as the waters cover the sea is achieved. We are in God's army. Let's sing this song. Are you in the Lord's army? Yes, sir. Sing it or sing it with your chest because God is listening to you. Not in the other part because we have grown past stealing from your mother's pot. Now you buy at the pot if you are not careful. Christmas come. Praise God. Can we just pray? We see.
Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.